Well, good morning. I kind of see some faces out there uh, that have had donuts. Um, so I can kind of see the semi-comatose state starting to, starting to kick in, which is perfect. I told Sean after first service, second service is going to be great because, like, everyone's going to be asleep from the donuts. So, um, But happy Father's Day um, from one father to another. Uh, I want to let you know, yes, your dad jokes are funny, regardless of what your family thinks, okay? So, <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm Josh Raines. Uh, like Jake mentioned, I'm one of the elders here uh, at Freshwater Community Church. Um, and uh, like he also mentioned, uh, we are traveling through this series, Jesus Next Door, um, that uh, is based on uh, and kind of inspired by this 30-day prayer guide uh, called Jesus Next Door. Um, and we're about halfway through. Uh, we're a little over halfway through. This is week three of four. Um, if <laughs> My kids would probably tell me, Dad, actually, technically... Halfway through was midday Wednesday, so whatever. So, um, but if this is your first time with us, um, and if it is, thank you very much here and online. Um, or you've missed a couple of Sundays, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is week three of four. Don't panic and don't fret, all right? Uh, our website, thefreshwater.church, under sermons, and our YouTube channel uh, has both of uh, the sermons from weeks one and two posted. Um, uh, two of our other elders, Norm Pond and Clint Adams, uh, gave those messages. It is well worth your time to check those out, all right? They are great. Um, so, and hopefully, um, those of you who've been journeying through this prayer guide uh, with us, uh, together as a church family, uh, we're sensing God challenge us, that we're sensing God growing us in our faith and in our walk with Jesus. Um, and not just our walk, but also how we show that walk, how we show following Jesus to the people around us. And that we've also had opportunity through this time and through this challenge uh, to share that with other people and invite them to walk with Jesus with us. So now, before I go on, you guys are probably wondering, okay, you just showed a video. You can't just leave that. You can't just skip over that, right? So is there like some riddle we're supposed to figure out with this video? Is this like Bilbo Baggins at the shore of Gollum's Lake in The Hobbits, right? No, no. There's no, there's no riddle. There's no mystery, okay? Uh, you don't have to know the dwarvish word for friend to figure it out. So Tolkien fans will understand that. Um, find one and ask them. Um, but you see, the reason I show this is because every week we gather together as a family of Jesus followers, week after week after week, here, there, everywhere. And we've been doing this on a regular basis for 2,000 plus years. It's pretty amazing. And we do this, we gather week after week after week to have our hearts recentered on King Jesus, to have our lives realigned with the big S story that we belong to. And that's the story of the good news of his kingdom. It's the good news that Jesus instructed us to go out and take to the nations. The Greek word there is ethnos. We get the word ethnicity and ethnic from that. To take it out to the nations. And he tells us to make disciples. He tells us to make Jesus apprentices of people and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them 
what he showed us to do, what he instructed us to do. But in order for us to be able to do that, we have to have a clear vision of who Jesus is. We have to have a clear vision of his kingdom here on earth as it is in the heavens. This morning, I want us to be reminded, all of us, me included, of this good news and clearly see and understand what it means for a broken world, a world where things don't operate the way that God intended them to operate. I want us to be challenged. I want us to ask ourselves some questions. Do I see Jesus clearly? Do I have a clear vision of him? Do I have a clear vision of his kingdom? Has my life been radically transformed by the good news of his kingdom? Does it invade every part of my existence? And not just for me, but for us us as a church, us as the bride of Jesus. Because I'm convinced that if our lives have truly been changed, that if we've truly been transformed, if we truly have a clear vision of Jesus, a clear vision of his kingdom, then how we interact with other people, how we interact with our neighbors and our coworkers, our friends, people who are broken, people who are marginalized, that it should look different. So, to do this, I want to look at a story that is familiar to many of us in here. It's a story from the book of Acts. Yes, we're going back to the book of Acts. We can't completely leave that book back there. But we're going to go back to the book of Acts, and we're going to see a story of what it might look like for people who have a clear vision of Jesus and his kingdom when they interact with other people. So turn to Acts chapter 3, and we're going to go through verses 1 through 16. I know it's a big hunk of scripture. We're going to go through. Luke records in Acts that one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When Peter and John were about to when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, "Look at us." So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, "Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Amen. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, 
Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Of this we are witnesses. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We invite you in. Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts. Help us to see you more clearly. Help remind us of the transformed lives that we have and what you have called us into. For the sake of those who are broken and for your glory ultimately. Amen. So the first thing that I want to do is I want to pause and consider who this story actually is about or who, who a couple of the main characters are in this story. So we have Peter and we have John. And I don't know that it's a coincidence or an accident that Peter and John are a part of this story because Peter and John both had lives that were radically transformed by the time they spent and during the time they spent with Jesus. And I can only imagine that on this side of his resurrection and this side of receiving the Holy Spirit, that often they reflected back and they thought about the things that they saw and experienced with Jesus during his time on earth and his ministry. They saw the eyes of the blind open. They saw people like this man, people who were lame, stand up and walk. They saw deaf ears opened. They saw unclean spirits cast out. In fact, what's interesting, Peter and John are two of the three, along with James, who the Gospels record were on a mountain with Jesus when his divine, glorious self was revealed, something we call the transfiguration. He was standing there with Moses and Elijah. I mean, I can't even imagine what that is like. They saw Jesus walk on water, have command over a raging storm. Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. But they also saw how Jesus loved. They saw Jesus' compassion for those who were essentially invisible. And for those, even those of standing and stature, who had come to the end of themselves. They saw how Jesus interacted with them. And they saw Jesus' death. But they also saw Jesus risen. But the one thing I want to keep in mind is that the transformation that Peter and John went through, it wasn't instantaneous, right? 
Peter and John didn't come down from that mountaintop experience from seeing Jesus in all of his divine glory and go, oh, I got it. That's it. No, because if we read through the Gospels, we see that Peter, when Jesus is arrested, takes a sword out and tries to cut some dude's ear off. Actually, he tries to kill him, but only cuts an ear off. And then we see Peter denied knowing Jesus, not once, but three times. And that's after seeing the transfigured Jesus, seeing people healed. There is a process that Peter and John went through over time. There were intimate encounters with Jesus during his time on earth and after his resurrection that helped them see Jesus clearly. Peter specifically encountered his grace and his forgiveness in a real and firsthand way. See, Peter and John had a clear vision of Jesus and his kingdom because they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus. And because of that, their lives were transformed forever. And it's a clear vision of Jesus and his kingdom that informs what happens in the book of Acts as Luke records. So let's go back up to the top. Let's break this down a little bit and pull a couple things out. So Peter and John are going to the temple at the time of prayer. This is one through five. And a man who was lame from birth, a man who couldn't walk, was carried there day after day to this gate, not into the temple, but to the gate of the temple. And he begged for money. And he saw Peter and John about to enter, and he asked them for money. Peter and John looked straight at him. They saw him, they recognized him, they didn't pass him by. Peter and John said, look at us. And he did. He gave them their, his full attention. He thought he was going to get something from them. Kind of funny, kind of ironic, isn't it? Because he did get something from them. Way more than he realized. But what I want to point out, what I want to pull out, is it's important not to miss, Peter and John were going into the temple at the time of prayer. This is really, really important. Because as Torah-observant Jews, there was a rhythm to life. There was a regular cadence. This was an important part of their day. There were things that, there were events that was an important part of their week because they gathered together as a community to worship Yahweh. There was a very intentional rhythm to daily and weekly life. And it's no different than us, right? I mean, we're sitting here today, Sunday morning, having consumed sugary donuts, but we're here today gathered on a weekly basis. And the same can be said for our own lives personally, right? Or at least it should be, that every single day, we have time, regular time that we set aside to be in communion with Jesus, to be in relationship with him through prayer. But something interesting happens, right? Luke doesn't record that Peter and John just kind of waltzed past this guy into the temple. No, in fact, Luke calls out the fact that this guy was there. We encounter this man who is, quote, lame from birth. This man who is 
carried to the temple gates so he could beg for money from the people. And he had to beg because he couldn't work because of his physical condition. In fact, I'm sure there's probably people in the community who considered him defective. And I can imagine he probably wasn't highly regarded either. And Luke says, Luke records Peter saying, you know this man. So they knew who he was. But every day, day in and day out, they walked past this man. And I imagine he probably after a while went largely unnoticed. He became background noise. Now, I'm sure many of us can relate to this phenomenon in some, some particular ways. Now, imagine uh, it's the end of the day. Uh, you're done with work or you're done with school. And you get in your car and you begin your drive home. And several minutes later, it feels like in a fraction of the amount of time it should actually take to get home from work, you're pulling onto your street and into your driveway. Anybody familiar with that phenomenon, right? Every single day, day in and day out. And you pray, and you look in your rearview mirror. Okay, no police are following me. I didn't run any stop signs. I didn't run any red lights. But how many of us remember how many green cars we passed up on the way home? How many of us can remember all of the street signs we passed on the way home? I mean, I know driving down High Street here in town, you know, past Simcox and past Franks or whatever, side streets, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, it's gone, right? How many of us would remember or even notice if there was somebody like waving enthusiastically that knows us? Like, oh, there's Bill. I can imagine that this must have been what it was like for many of the people walking into that temple day after day after day. This man sitting there, largely unnoticed, like end corporation limit sign that most of us don't even notice when we drive out of town. Now, I want you to take that, but I want us to transport it into our context today the 21st century, right? Let's pile on after school or after work baseball games and baseball practice or basketball practice or soccer or marching band or whatever, you know, whatever extracurricular you're involved in. Needing to get dinner done. Oh man, work's done, I gotta get home, gotta feed the kids. I know if it was up to me, our family would starve to death, just saying. Three hours of homework, right? I mean, we have a lot of homework these days. I don't. Kids do. Bringing home work from the office because they expect us to fit 12 hours of work into an eight-hour day. I think all of us can imagine kind of the sense of being rushed, the sense of hurry. None of us are immune to just easily just missing, overlooking, now, don't get me wrong, don't hear me wrong, I'm not advising anyone quit their job, please don't drop out of school, students do your homework, all right? But what I do want us to see is that because Peter and John 
had a clear vision of Jesus because of this, they weren't caught up in the rush of getting into the temple for prayer. They stopped. They saw that at this moment, there was something that was way more important that had to happen. They understood, and I think it goes without saying, but they understood that even good and important things can obscure our vision of Jesus. While it was important for them to be there for prayer time in the afternoon, it was not the ultimate thing. Dare I say it, that even in our context, even church things can sometimes obscure our vision of Jesus and his kingdom. See, Peter and John, they made time for this man. They created margin for him. They recognized that he was created in the image of God just like they were. That he needed to be transformed by Jesus and the good news of his kingdom just like they were. What happens next is Peter says to him, listen, I don't have any silver or gold. Peter says, I don't have two nickels to rub together. I'm not a person of standing I'm not a person of stature, but what I do have, I give you. And what that is, is Jesus. Just like we sang a few minutes ago, they spoke the name of Jesus to this man. And they said to him, in the name of Jesus, walk. And he did. They took him by the hand. They reached out to him. He jumped up, his ankles, his legs were made strong, and he began to walk. So, pause for a second. Back in the book of Genesis, we find that at some time back then, God ordered creation. He ordered the stuff up there, it says the heavens, and the stuff down here, the earth. We see him create and order spaces, the dry land, the waters, the heavens, the skies, and he fills them with creatures. Then we see him create humanity. We see him create humanity in his image. And we see him partner with them to continue this work that he started. He tells them to take this stuff and do something with it. He says, subdue it and rule over it in a way that reflects the glory and goodness of God into the world he created. But it's not very long, and we actually find that humans end up being deceived. We are deceived and made to believe that we could operate according to our own wisdom rather than God's wisdom. And what happens because of that is that chaos, disorder, death, and destruction are introduced into God's good world. Sin enters the world and damages our relationship with God and damages our relationship with other people. See, God had intended for his creation 
to operate in a very specific way. And he wanted us to take part in that. He meant for his creation and humanity to be whole and complete. But sin left creation wild and untamed. And it left humanity incomplete and broken. See, Peter and John on their way into the temple encounter a man who is incomplete and broken, left to be treated by others in a way that dishonors the dignity that comes with being created in the image of God. Can you imagine being this man? Can you imagine spending your entire life feeling like you had been robbed of something so basic? Feeling defeated and bitter? I can imagine this man's heart at some point was probably hardened. I can imagine that he probably at some point in his life, and maybe even here, did feel less than human. In fact, he only looks at Peter because he expects to get something. He had gotten to the point where his life was basically one transaction after another. Relationship had become a completely foreign concept to him. But Peter and John, they look at him. They recognize him. They even reach out their hand to him. But they're honest with him too. Again, they say, we don't have money, but we have Jesus. And we have the kingdom that he is ushering in. Jesus has come and brought with him the completeness and order that was intended by God from the beginning. Restoration and transformation. And Peter and John knew this because they witnessed it firsthand time and time again in the lives of the people that Jesus encountered and in their own lives. They saw Jesus heal the sick, set the captive free, and forgive sins. Now, if you're following along in the Jesus Next Door book, Dave Clayton, the author, has uh, a question that he asks uh, in the entry for day 15. And I love it because it's such a simple question. And the question is essentially this. What would it look like if heaven invaded earth? I mean, I can't wrap my brain around that, right? You see glimpses and stories. We have phrases. You know, some of you may have heard the, the phrase, the now but not yet. We kind of have these small glimpses of what it looks like, but we don't know. We can never know fully. But he asks, what would it look like if, if heaven invaded our world? What would it look like if things operated the way that God intended them to? What would it look like if sickness were a distant memory? If mental illness were a distant memory? what it would look like if we were made whole and complete by Jesus. And again, Peter and John, they had an idea. They had a vision of what that looks like. They invited heaven to earth in that small space outside of the temple at the gate. This space occupied by a broken man, and they saw his kingdom come and his will be done there on earth as it is in the heavens. 
Luke goes on, and he says that the people that were there were amazed. They were astonished. They mobbed Peter, John, and this man. I mean, I know all of us have probably been in those uh, situations or scenarios where you're in a room with a lot of people, and it's really quiet, and somebody's cell phone goes off. You know, like, it's, it's for, some people, some, for some people, they set their cell phone ringer to the most annoying ringer that the cell phone's made with. But it goes off. Or, or someone's child is just really, really upset, and they just wail. It doesn't go unnoticed. And this didn't go unnoticed on this day. Because these people who had, visiting, who had been visiting the temple on a daily basis for years and saw that man over and over again, day after day after day, nothing really changing, this guy kind of being background noise, all of a sudden, things got loud. These two ex-fishermen, Peter and John, show up on the scene, and then all of a sudden, this guy's walking in jumping, praising God, probably at the top of his lungs, probably crying, like tears and snot, ugly cry. I mean, this guy is overjoyed. That it drew the attention of the crowd is probably an underestimate. What I love in this scene, though, and how this ends, is how Peter responds Peter had a clear vision of Jesus. Peter had a clear vision of the good news of his kingdom. Peter's life had been radically transformed by this good news. And out of that, out of that transformation, out of that vision, Peter responds the only way he now knows how to, and that is to glorify Jesus in front of his brothers and his sisters. Peter takes no credit. He tells them, it's not my power. We're not godly. This is because of Jesus. This is because of the good news of his kingdom. Many of us, we go to work, we come home from work, day after day after day. If you're a student, the same can be said about school. You go in, you come out. It's literally almost wash, rinse, repeat for so many of us. We're standing at the grocery store in line, doing yard work, talking with our neighbors, our family. Our lives have a rhythm and a pattern to them, and that's okay. God baked into the DNA of creation, rhythm, and pattern. It's not a bad thing. But what happens very often is it's so easy for us to slip into cruise control. It's so easy for us to get caught up and to miss, to overlook. I am just as guilty of it. I have a life that is oftentimes dictated by the schedule and other people. And sometimes it's easy for my brain to slip into that next patient room and overlook somebody who's hurt and broken sitting in front of me. 
So I asked the question, how often does this happen to us? How often do we miss people who are broken, people who are pleading, who are desperate, people who need to be made whole? So I want to leave us again with the questions that I asked at the start. Do we have a clear vision of Jesus? Do we have a clear vision of his kingdom here on earth as it is in the heavens? Have our lives been so transformed that we resist the rush, that we stop, that we see the people who are broken, the people who are hurting, and proclaim to them the name of Jesus? Do we allow that good news of the kingdom to penetrate our existence, every aspect of our existence? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word that gives wisdom and instructs It is a lamp unto our feet. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you have transformed us. Never let us forget what that means. Help us to have a clear vision of you, Jesus. A clear vision of your heart for those that are forgotten, those that are overlooked a clear vision of your kingdom. Help us to see clearly that what you want hasn't taken place yet here. How things operate here are not what you intended. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus, all things are being made new. Help us to see differently. Help us to see with new eyes. To see our neighbors and our coworkers and our family our teammates for who they are and who you made them to be, made in your image. Lord, help us to be something different. Help us to push back against the rush, back against the day-to-day. Help us to not overlook or pass over someone who is hurt and broken, somebody who is in desperate need of you. Help us to be a people that proclaim you, Jesus, that speak your name, the name that is above all other names. And it's in that name that we pray. Amen.